Price check on fruit juice. Price check on fruit juice. Um, let's see here. Okay. Right on. All right, man. So um, you guys were just hearing Neil Chin, and he is visiting. Well, you're from here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You moved away a few years ago, right? Mm-hmm. How yeah. Many? Uh, so three years ago? Yeah, three years ago at this point. Yeah, I mean, um, I I would love for you to, you know, come back to Hawaii and work for us, like I've told <laughs> you before. Um, so yeah, when you decide to come back, <laughs> I know you're busy <laughs> with lessons though. So you're in Oregon. Tell uh, tell me what part. Actually, I um, moved up in. Um, I'm in Seattle now. Oh, as of just this year, yeah, pretty much just in March. Actually, yeah, end oh. of March, I moved up. Well, I initially moved up to uh, Eugene, Oregon, and. Um, Basically, just uh, worked actually in a ukulele. Uh, well, it's more or less a general music shop. Um, kind of interesting. It's called uh, Pacific Winds Music, and uh, they have half ukuleles and half band instruments and school supplies. And in, in, in a lessons program. And a lessons program, yeah. And so, um, basically, just uh, taught ukulele and you know worked in the shop and kind of developed and um, got really connected with the community there, and. Um, there it's been so wonderful i guess this is the best way to put it just because the communities are there are so tight and just really generous and kind people and as a outsider so to say kind of moving into town they really kind of embraced me and uh just been very supportive and even to this day when i go back it's like it's like family really right mm -hmm. and so in seattle now you're just full-time teaching mm -hmm. teaching and playing and doing the work workshops here and there and whatnot. Is so. there like a regular, uh, you know, 
place that people can find you when they're in the city? Uh, not not regularly. I'm not playing any regularly uh, right now, but um, kind of off and on I've been doing about like maybe a couple a month and whatnot. And um, so like checking your, your website, which... That's like, the best way to do it. NeilChin.com? Yeah. Um, or Facebook too. I usually will have all of that stuff up on yeah, both NeilChin.com and just... Right. And then, and then I see the occasional clinic type thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's really fun. I've um, been doing a lot of uh, workshop concerts. And so uh, kind of the general template is maybe an hour and a half. And, you know, you do about an hour lesson or so and take a quick break and, you know, kind of uh, put all the parts together, I guess, of the class and kind of demo it out and, you know, play your own stuff too. And it's it's been really fun. I mean, I I love teaching. And so to kind of have a uh, a medium like this to be able to fuse writing music and putting together lessons and connecting with people it's um it's it's the best <laughs> it's been great how long have you been teaching now um well i i i started teaching kind of right after i started playing maybe about a year or two i mean you know kind of around the the neighborhood kids and stuff like that five bucks here whatever you know and uh, so i guess i guess if that counts um you know, maybe about uh, 15 years now of wow. um, teaching ukulele. So uh, t- tell me some of the things that you've learned as far as um, not really, well, I, I guess, you know, you, you could include like, you know, things you learned from students, but more just learned in terms of how to affect them, inspire them, or like make those um, sort of connections. Yeah, you know, I mean, it. I think it's directly transferable to just everyday life in a sense of connecting with people. And, you know, I mean, as a, as a teacher, you, you, of course, have a developed curriculum or kind of a direction that you generally take people in. But I think um, very much like life in a sense, you know, um, things change and people change their direction and their tastes. And one week you might be doing something and inspiration might strike a student. Like, I really want to learn to play this arrangement or this style of music or something to that effect. And I think as a teacher, I think um, it's been a, a really great experience kind of trying to meet them at the halfway point and kind of follow their inspiration. And I think that's been kind of key, I guess, for me, at least as a teacher, is to really listen to, I guess, what the student wants to do, you know. Well, you say meet them halfway in the sense that, like, you, you don't entirely let them dictate um where they want to go and this is that you have your own agenda as well right right i mean i like playing solo ukulele i guess and that's kind of uh, the direction that i generally steer people in but it's not necessarily for everyone and um as i always tell my students it's kind of um i'm going to set you on a path but if there's things that come up or whatnot that you want to do then we can you know kind of veer off and make it relevant and um i mean as a as a teacher it's it's really engaging, I feel like, and um, I guess invigorating, for lack of a better term, um, to kind of on the fly develop these lessons, you know, next week, this pers- same person's coming in, but we're going to take, you know, this maybe the same arrangement, but because they have an interest instead of swing, uh, now they have an interest in bossa nova or something. And so does that take uh, somewhat of like a homework from you? Oh, most definitely, most definitely. I mean, Interesting. even uh, if I don't know the material or anything like that, then definitely kind of grind in it or to make it relevant and in, um, for the their inspiration or their direction, I guess. And um, yeah, it's, it can be a bit challenging, but it's uh, good stuff. So how many students do you have now? 
collectively, about a little over 15 that come either weekly or every other week or so, depending on schedules. And um, what's like, say, the average uh, age? Age range? Um, maybe I would say on average, maybe like 45 to maybe 65, mm. kind of in that maybe ballpark, you know? Different than when you taught here? Yeah, yeah. When like I, when I first kids, moved yeah. here, uh, I was working um, at Ukulele Hale in Kaimuki and uh, pretty much mostly taught Jody kids and, you know, yeah, with yeah, Jody and yeah. uh, Gina and everyone there. Group lessons too. <laughs> Some group lessons too. Yeah. And uh, um, it's, it was kind of an interesting shift. Um, I loved kind of teaching kids. I guess that's where, uh, where, what I mostly did um, back on Maui um, in the schools and whatnot. And, you know, basically uh, after moving to the uh, mainland or moving to um, Oregon, you know, kind of having that shift of mostly teaching adults was, was really interesting. I mean, in subtle ways of the way that you talk, your inflections and things like that, and then just the way that you just relate to people, you know. Um, and, uh, um, yeah, I mean, everyone has, uh, or I should say, I guess as, as you get older, you have a little bit more of a defined ear, I feel like. And a lot of people, um, you know, who are older are going to have a, a general sound that they already want from their instrument or a general song or whatever the case is. And uh, it's kind of working with those expectations and so it can sometimes be really revealing to both me and, and the student of just kind of how you operate, um, learning something new and whatnot. So, um, yeah. A lot of that in terms of like a technique, um, right. as far as drawing out the sounds that you want from, from the instrument too. Right. Like, right. You know, beyond just, um, getting the, getting those notes down, you know? Right, right, right. Exactly. Working with, you know, there's so many technique. subtleties, mm -hmm. you know, there's like vibrato, like how long you let a note sustain and the, you know, the dynamics, the, uh, yeah, especially with solo, because you want to kind of take people, you know, up and down a little bit, a lot of times. Right, right. And the freedom, in a sense, to kind of go anywhere you want is both liberating and can sometimes be constricting in that sense of, you if you can go anywhere, anywhere you can go nowhere, in a sense, you know. So um, kind of cho picking and choosing the things that you want to be able to articulate the message that you're trying to, you know, uh, give like, out, you know, it can explain, be kind of tricky. Sorry, yeah. it, it, it's late. I did setups all day. <laughs> <laughs> say, say that again as far as if you can go anywhere. Right. I mean, if you have all the options in the world, you effectively have no options in a sense, I guess is kind of the perspective in, in the sense of like... Or direction. In direction, yeah. yeah. And having constraints in a sense or uh, even in a sense we can say like form for music mm -hmm. is can be very liberating working with those constraints. And I think that's one of those things with the very specifically the ukulele and solo ukulele playing that um, can, can be very tricky uh, because I feel like it is a relatively simple instrument as far as range goes even and, and volume and whatnot. And being able to work with those limitations to create something that's 
I guess for lack of a better term, just beautiful or large sounding or right, having yeah. those dynamics and those sustain, you know, can be a little bit tricky. Yeah, which I really love about your playing. Like, um, I don't know, it, it's like uh, it, it has such a relaxing and enjoyable sound to me. I, um, it isn't trying to be anything more than like being the, the piece, you know, that you're presenting in your own interpretation of it, you know? Right, right, right. So, so what's your, like, you know, practice type of, uh, I mean, like, maybe give us what it was earlier as, you know, you progressed and, and what you're up to now in terms of, like, dedicated time to actually growing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, like, every time you pick up your instrument, you're doing some of that but you know like practice like actually like definitely learning a new piece or a new technique or working on you know things specific specifically beyond just the enjoyment of you know jamming right uh yeah it's i i, I kind of treat it as a, a duality so to say of i mean and it's i guess uh, simplest form like practice and play and practice is very specific to technique and whatnot and as what you would expect that comes with practice um, but really intent on, on developing like even just physical facility, because I feel like that's such a big hindrance for a lot of people is just being able to physically execute the sounds that you want. Exactly. I mean, that's a lot of what practice is going to give you. Totally. Like I hear you sliding all over the fretboard and like not getting those little squeaks of like the fingers a little too far back from the fret or just right. on it. Or, you know, it, I mean, it takes time to be able to master that you know i mean almost for everybody sure sure definitely and um i guess on the other spectrum in that sense would be playing and i guess a good way to kind of put it i mean if you're playing a tune and let's say that you're or let's say you're practicing a tune you're going to run through um, the first four bars of the song and whatnot and let's say that on the third bar or whatnot you have like a little hiccup when you're practicing, I feel like it's good to stop at that point and reevaluate and do it 15 times or whatever the right. case is. Yeah, yeah. And um, but on the other end of the spectrum, it's good to exercise the ability to continue playing. And I guess mm -hmm. that's the other end of playing. You know. Well, when, when you're live, I mean, some people get away with it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> if you're good enough or you're clever about it. But I mean, sure. In general rule, especially if you're up with other people, is you you plow through, and it's like. Stop making those funny faces, okay? Nobody in the audience <laughs> even notices. Like, people oh, are definitely so guilty like, there. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I'm not. I wasn't saying that. Yeah, no, it's sure. like what we all do. <laughs> definitely. Gotta laugh it off and keep going. But yeah, yes, I sir. mean, but yeah. So back to my question, like, what, like, how did, how was it when, when you were younger, and like, you know, what, how do you view that whole? I mean, you talked about kind of your views on practice versus play and then both kind of having that happen but like in terms of actual time and hours just to give us some perspective on why we're not as good as you <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not maybe you don't play that <laughs> practice that much. well as a uh, um you know i started off you know basically in in school you know um uh just kind of doing simple three chord songs like you know sing hoa ipono i in the morning you know after the pledge of allegiance or something you go? to that effect uh i went to akula elementary school and i started in the fourth grade there um maui maui oh wow. yeah yeah and uh um after that i started taking some uh after school classes um from ryan tanaka 
and um, uh, eventually moved on to doing private lessons and whatnot. And a friend of mine and uh, myself, we started doing ukulele contests and whatnot. And, you know, it's like that, uh, just got that bug, I guess, after, you know, playing in front of people for the first time. And so um, uh, after that, it was kind of just hooked, I guess. And so moved on to more private lessons. And, you know, very fortunately in uh, the middle school I went to had a, a wonderful ukulele teacher there named uh, Rama Camarillo, where a lot of these arrangements were all based off of uh, the stuff he used to teach us. Um, like the When You Wish Upon a Star is actually his arrangement, but I've just kind of tweaked a, a lot of different places of it just to kind of jazz it up, nice. I guess. Yeah. But paying homage. All, yeah, definitely. Definitely always um, so much respect. And uh, and I was going to kind of ask you about your influences, but it's like, it's like sometimes they're the people that most of us don't even know about. There's just like, there's great players out there that never you know, spent too much time going for the spotlight or anything like sure. that. Sure. No, definitely. But just, you, you hear them and it's just like, dang. Right. And some of them are good teachers. I mean, that's kind of a different thing too. Mm-hmm. There's also a lot of good players that it's kind of hard to understand. They never thought about it all, all that much either, maybe. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's definitely a, a different muscle, so to say, to mm. exercise, I feel like. But um, yeah, I guess... Do you dedicate time to it, like, still? I mean... Yeah, definitely. I try to, uh, every day, kind of run through, like, a general routine that I try to fit in, like, 45 minutes to an hour. Um, And just to kind of keep fresh, keep the fingers kind of moving and whatnot. And, uh, um, yeah, yeah. It's kind of mean, like, you know, you wake up and go jogging in the morning or something, you know. It's like, I'm just going to do some exercises before I start my day or something to that effect, I guess. Yeah. You know, I've... I don't think I mentioned it yet, but um, Neil has a new album out, or 2016, right? It mm-hmm. wasn't too long ago. Yeah, the summer. Um, you know, there's definitely uh, something dynamically beautiful. I love it, man. It's oh, really thanks, man. one of my favorite uh, ukulele albums out there. Um, tell us about the process of making it, where you know where you did it, and, and what sort of uh, equipment, and how, how you got that put out. Yeah, um, kind of a funny story. Actually, I was um, I was doing a, a workshop in um, San Diego um, at Hale Ukulele with um, uh, Craig Chi and Sarah Mizell, and we just kind of ended up talking about things, and and they were very um, encouraging, and they're like, "You should definitely do this record now." And just you know, I, I guess I was just being kind of hesitant and making all these excuses, you know, of like, "Oh, I'll do it this," or "I'm going to wait for this," or whatnot. Um, but, you know, basically right after that weekend, um, he introduced me to, um, a, uh, engineer in, uh, Eugene, Oregon, um, Tyler Fortier. And we just basically within a week kind of hooked up and started recording the album, uh, did all the ukulele parts first. And then, um, there's a couple tracks with, um, the, as I call the Neil Chin trio in a sense, um, <laughs> with Milo Fultz on bass and, uh, Merlin Showalter on, uh, percussion and kit. And uh, also had a, a steel guitar player as well, a la- um, uh, not a lap steel, but a, a pedal steel guitar from Jerry Gleason on the final track. But all of that was basically added after the ukulele. So it was kind of interesting to, I kind of just kind of gave it in their hands and, you know, <laughs> a couple of weeks later just got it back and it, I was, you know, more than impressed. Um, Are those guys musicians. all in the area? Yeah, they're all uh, Eugene uh, musicians. Mm. 
Eugene Portland, I guess, in that sense. You guys did some shows together at mm-hmm. that point. Yeah. I still, um, with uh, Milo Fultz and uh, Merlin Showalter, we still do, um, we're actually teach together too. That's been mm. kind of our latest thing. Uh, we do like ukulele trio workshops. So one night's ukulele playing, one night's bass, and then one night's, or ukulele bass, and then um, percussion, bongo lele, and cajon, and all that stuff. Yeah. That's a, I mean, it's great to do um, clinics where like people can then hear it like in practice in I mean because you know just doing stuff solo is a is a different thing playing with other people and seeing how it fits in definitely definitely especially for rhythm section type stuff you know right 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 but you know for anything right and that that shift is is really nice I feel like when you you know kind of sit in another chair you know it's a, a new perspective is always good and I feel like can be very effective and help your playing you know um, you know, just focusing on rhythm, for example, and kind of taking the elements of um, like what a percussion player or how a percussion player would approach, you know, um, uh, how to accompany a tune and kind of taking that same perspective. And well, I mean, the ukulele is so closely related to a, you know, a percussion instrument in that sense. I mean, it's a drum in it in that way. But yeah, I mean, it can be just percussion if you want. <laughs> right, right. Just kind of like that. Right. But, kind of you know, stuff, yeah. or even further into the James Hillish type of word. You know, oh, right. A, a totally. <laughs> totally. I mean, it's so. a box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but nah, there is a lot of room for, I think, exploring that realm of it where, it, you know, the thing that like what a good decade ago, a lot of the acoustic instrumental guys got really into getting the drum sounds out of there acoustics while they play and throwing tapping and all like that (laughs) right right we'll check back in another year you'll you'll have that (laughs) some tapping (laughs) stuff (laughs) i'm working on i'm working on it no but um but yeah it was it was a really fun project to do it's the um you know the first uh, ukulele ukulele record that i've ever made and um i've done like ukulele tracks for other people and you know i've done you know uh, rock albums and stuff but um you know, the ukulele has been the instrument I've been playing the longest. And so it was kind of really nice to kind of full circle it, I guess. And just kind of, you know, as you, as you put it very well, just kind of play the, let the songs play themselves. And, um, yeah, just kind of just be really honest with, the the emotional delivery and all that stuff, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, I can feel that. And it's trippy, too, because it's like I knew you before from like shredding on electric guitar, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's not that much different. It's just a different style for a different thing. But putting that heart and emotion into it, you know, that's what really comes through. Yeah. I, I think that's, I mean, maybe it's a little too philosophical or whatnot, or, but uh, I mean... I feel like you have to give yourself in every performance if it's for two people or if it's for 2000 people, you know, it's the, your listener deserves the best of what you can do. And, and to do that, you anything know, less is cheating them out of that. You right. Know? And when you get to and that yourself. spot, it's like, um, it ends up being somewhat of a meditation mm-hmm. to where like, uh, you truly are in the present. Like you've stopped all of, you know, the, voice inside of your head that's gonna like have dialogue with you or whatever right you (laughs) know so in that sense you come out of it the same way that like somebody that has a successful meditation session would you know it's almost like you can think a little bit more clearly and you kind of like 
you've probably brought your blood pressure down a couple points <laughs> or something, you know? Yeah, I mean, most definitely, yeah. most definitely. I mean, for especially with the solo pieces, because of that, you know, um, freedom and whatnot, and, you know, you can, can just kind of take it anywhere you want to at any given point. For me, it's like I like to kind of, you know, coming back to the practice and play um, dichotomy there, just really practicing the arrangement and having it solid to the, you know, where I can empty my mind, so to say, you know? Yeah. You know, we, we, when we recorded Pepe and you were there at, you, you were there at yeah. him, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Life-changing yeah. moment for me. No, no kidding. <laughs> and, uh, I think I was talking to Pepe on one of our um, podcasts and he was telling me where like, it's like um, his dad gets these arrangements so down that where his fingers go is not going to take up any of his mental energy you know something yeah, I don't know. that wasn't a quote but it was something like that because sure. then he can truly give himself to bringing out the most in the you know the dynamic or the emotion that he's going for at that moment in the song right you know, right and just focus on the impact and you know that he gives and man wasn't that amazing oh that my goodness like, yeah that was uh, yeah, I mean, just I remember that. Let's go to check our, our, the, our YouTube channel, Hawaii Music Supply, if you, if you don't already. But um, the one up there where we re recorded uh, Pepe Senior, Pepe Romero, on uh, ukulele and a couple classicals, and just like, oh, just <laughs> being in that room was just like, dang. It's like a really a yeah, just a he has such a presence. I feel mm -hmm. like, and um, I mean, he he, I feel like really embodies that kind of spirit and. Um, I mean, that was such a huge influential moment for me, genuinely, mm. in that sense of like watching him have all that facility to be able to execute all those techniques. And I mean, but not in a flashy way and still in service to the song. Yeah. And this very, kind of just very powerful energy, I guess, is kind of really, yeah, kind of helped giving me a lot of kind of focus and direction after that. It was just two <laughs> months later, came out with the album. So, oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, you got 40 more years to be his agent. <laughs> no, no, no. I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, um, you know, uh, the videos, by the way, I'm going to put up the videos that you hear of Neil playing um, on this podcast here because this is just going to be an audio podcast. Podcast. It's just me and Neil. Usually I got uh, at least Zach to run some uh, videos. So I didn't do the video, but... um. Go check out the uh, Hawaii Music Supply YouTube to see in here. But um, we're going to, in a second, take a listen to a few new Koloha Opio models that uh, Neil just did for sound samples for us. Actually, those will be probably at the Vimeo channel. Hmm. But um, the performances with his Koloha tenor um, that you're going to here at the beginning and end of this episode and you can watch on youtube are uh what looks like to be at least a good five four or five years old or what how old is that koloha tenor 2008 okay mm -hmm. so that's uh yeah i didn't know um i mean it's definitely got its wear spots it's probably gonna get to <laughs> willie nelson level at some <laughs> point in the future but man it sounds good and uh tell me what strings you have it set up with uh these are the um uh, Pepe Romero uh, UT2s. Oh, cool. Yeah, actually, um, I really saw, good sound on those. Yeah, I, I met Pepe. Um, I think a week before that, um, and in, in LA at the U Spot, I think it's called. Yeah, yeah, with Jason, yeah, Arimoto, with Jason Arimoto. and uh, 
Daniel Ho. Right, right. And Love those guys. He was just he just had his strings out, and I'm such a nerd for strings, and I'm like, yeah, definitely give me two sets of each, and let's try them out. And um, I haven't gone back yet because these are just they're yeah, great. They're I put them on, yeah, yeah, a few different custom ukes, and uh, I was like, yep, that's that's this yeah. that's a good sound. I mean, there's a few different options that I consider to be contenders for that deep rich but with still great clarity yeah the, the clarity was so huge i mean as you go up the neck and yeah that was kind of a, a mm. break a, you know a deal breaker for me definitely right to do that and it's not like you know one set for every build is gonna be you know the same thing so it, it's it's a pairing sure but it's it sounds great so um the opios are that's a factory in Thailand that uh, I think Grizz went over and you know trained with uh, Peng and some of the different builders over there, and actually like along with Paul and you know the Okami family set it up jig wise and everything. What's mm-hmm. cool about it is Koloha has such a distinct sound mm-hmm. um, because of their way of building. So they didn't just do this thing where they're going to just buy uh, imports and put their you know, label on it. I mean, right. they kind of do that with the Koalana. I mean, it, it, you know, it has some input from them, but it doesn't have the unibrace and the unique design aspects of Koaloha and stuff. Right. So, but the Opio does, and it's, they're all solid wood. And, um, the newest ones coming out, the, the Acacia ones, um, they look like <laughs> The Hawaiian koalas, pretty much, you know. <laughs> you definitely have to do a, a double take. <laughs> yeah. I have a um, the uh, 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 tenor acacia. You have an OPO too, huh? Mm-hmm, yeah, and uh, I have um, the UT ones, just high G basically. And man, that thing sounds so nice. And again, the clarity up the the fretboard is just with the mixture of the strings and the ukulele is. Oh, I love it. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm gonna cut to. Uh, the sound sample video reviews that you you just did so uh check this out guys this is gonna be first a super concert and then a super soprano all solid acacia opio uh koaloha opio brand new models This is a, a Koaloha a Concert Long Neck with a acacia body. And I uh, really like this model because you got to get that nice, sweet uh, concert sound out of it. But still um, have the flexibility of the, um, the tenor. And I kind of uh, like the fact that it is like an like a old picake in a sense, um, with kind of the uh, flat uh, neck 
part over here and uh, um, kind of a light finish too. Uh, also the uh, engraved uh, logo on the top too, um, like some of the older models. And um, yeah, I kind of like the sound of it being really clear. Nice and bright sound, really I think nice for strumming and finger picking too. Gotcha. Concert neck, soprano body, mm -hmm. other nice things. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> New chin! In the house! <laughs> In the so this is a, uh, <laughs> a, a, a Opio, a Koaloha Opio uh, Super Soprano. So that's going to have a, so a soprano body and a concert neck and uh, a really good hybrid of the two so you still have that flexibility of a concert for your left hand especially if you have longer fingers or if you're accustomed to a larger fretboard and uh, uh, but still kind of that uh, soprano sound if you're really going for that kind of um, smaller voice I guess and uh, um, like the other OPOs as well we're going to have kind of a, a kind of style off of the Koloha Pikakes in a sense where we have the laser engraved uh, logo on the top and uh, we're going to have the, the flat uh, um, neck on the bottom over here uh, that joins at the body and uh, kind of a nice light finish too. And this is a, a beautiful um, cut of acacia as well. Um, usually when I, I like to play sopranos kind of with a lot of strumming, so uh, yeah.
Cool, man. Very, very uh, awesome new ukes from the Aloha Ohana. And, um, man, thank you so much for coming. Actually, you're staying right down the road. Huh? Your <laughs> grandma lives like right here. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But, um, but, yeah, it's it's a pleasure. Likewise. And every time you, you make it over, we got to do this. Count me in. Always okay. count me in, man. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So what's what's coming up for the future? Well, um, definitely going to go back into the studio and um, start the next album. That's kind of my project for the next three months. Um, you know, I started writing a lot of the pieces. And it's, um, you know, now that Ukulele Paintings is out and a lot of those songs and arrangements I've been playing for a while. And that's kind of, I'm kind of uh, putting a little bookend on that and coming back to it later. And I want to kind of open up the possibilities of like arrangements and and instrumentation and whatnot for this next one. I mean, it's still focused on the ukulele, but to kind of bring in some other elements, um, you know, definitely want to play some guitar and whatnot on it and um, have been kind of collecting some musicians of different sorts that I think will kind of make it sound um, eclectic yet cohesive. <laughs> How's the scene over there in Seattle? Oh, it's, it's great. It's great. Lots of musicians. I Lots know. of music. I mean, any night of the week, you can go somewhere and check out something really cool. You know what I mean? If you're looking for something kind of straight, so to say, if you're just looking for like a jazz trio, you can go somewhere and find, you know, a great place to go sit in. Or if you want to go listen to some prog, you know, <laughs> new age psychedelic sure, thing or something, yeah. you know, then you can just go to a different part of town and there's usually you tons of music around make there. Me so. sick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm living out here on the North Shore, just like <laughs> listen to the frogs. But nah, just kidding. There's some good music over here too. I mean, you sure. just played in town tonight with uh, Benny and Byron. <laughs> yeah. That was, uh, gosh, um, definitely a, a, a bucket list, you know, <laughs> check off for sure. But uh, um, yeah, you know, I mean, coming, they're getting it, huh? Yeah, oh I mean they they're they're coming along. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Those guys are got like a couple tunes, legends, yeah. <laughs> like before we were born. Right, exactly, exactly. But, you Does know, Byron still teach composition at UH? I'm not too sure. I know, yeah. I know he's been doing um, other classes and whatnot too outside of UH, but mm. um, yeah, I got to get Benny on one of these. In fact, I, I you know I I talked to him about it, but uh, and he said yeah, yeah, I just and. Yeah, just life is so busy. Yeah, you know, what I thought, and every time that I've seen them play, um, you know, both of them have been, you know, just so open and just so encouraging. He's and got a lot to to share. I yeah, mean, I just like, you know, asked him, you know, I'm working on this arrangement of this song, like what would be a good piece of advice? And he, you know, oh, you should play it in a different key and you should do this and et cetera, et cetera. And just really open with the knowledge and, um, and like an evening like tonight, just they were just so welcoming, like, come on stage, you know, let's just play a tune and just re- again, just really encouraging. And because I kind of just like I got so nervous being up there with those guys. And um, but they're just so welcoming that I just kind of quickly eased into it, which was uh, it's, it's the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I wish I had caught it Maybe next time. Um, Do they have a regular gig in town? I hardly go into town anymore. I know that they um, occasionally do those, um, like this evening, where they have those um, Wednesday night um, jazz shows at uh, Gordon Biersch at the Aloha mm, Tower. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, they usually have a cycle of different musicians, too, which mm-hmm. is really cool. But um, definitely Benny and Byron play there um, quite often. 
with uh, Robert Shinoda and mm-hmm. Reggie uh, might stop by. Yeah, stuff. right, right. Oh, Robert's such a good guitar player too. Oh, very tasty. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Super tasty. tasty. Well, um, yeah, I, I mean, we still got a little bit of time. We could cover uh, meaning of life or, uh, mm. you know, Collegius started working up at the shop. Really? Dude, if we got you two with like <laughs> Noah Campbell up there too now, and you got Corey and Aaron, it's just like sheesh. <laughs> oh my goodness, I didn't know. You guys would uh, all just vibe off each other. Yeah, what a crazy crew. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, we got a great crew here too. I got to tell you guys, um, the whole setup team stayed all through the night after working the whole you know day from earlier and then worked all through today just to get out as many orders as possible um, for Christmas. And it's like, you know, we work our, our most efficiently, but it's like winning instruments on the bench. We, we've all been doing this for years, like me and, uh, you know, the three other full-time guys in the setup. So it's like, if it's not right, it's not right. You got to work it out till it is and, or you got to go get another one and then go through it. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm super yeah, blessed to have, guys that actually because i didn't ask them to stay all night i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't do that i mean i i I do it sometimes but it's like i don't expect people to be as crazy as me but um (laughs) it's just the dedication you know it's it's a great it's a great crew here so yeah i've always been a fan of what you guys do and i mean genuinely (laughs) like you can you could really see it you know i mean with everything that you folks do from every ukulele to the podcast to all the videos and whatnot and thank you all the contributions from everyone is um it's great it's like a well a well-rounded well-oiled machine that's always great to uh, go for, yeah. for an ukulele i feel the resource. same way towards like the fact that we have people like you that can stop by because <laughs> i'm not i'm not i'm nowhere near like you know I guess funny enough as like Bill Burr, or like some sort of like Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, <laughs> yeah. like smart or anything like that. So I, I, I rely on the talent. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much. It's my Neil, pleasure. My Neil friend. Chin guys. This guy is one of the best and uh, look out for him to come to your neighborhood and rock you on ukulele. Cool. Thanks dude. My pleasure, man. All right. See you guys next time.
Thank you.